0: Oh, <laughs>
1: This is Steve from Retro Man Blog and welcome to our latest um, edition of Retro Sonic Podcast. This is the fourth episode of our Lockdown Lowdown specials where I invite in some of my musician pals to, um, here's a little bit of a soundtrack of their lives, Desert Island Disc thing to sort of keep us entertained during this lockdown. And I hope you enjoyed our first three episodes. And I thought I'd um, get in the Jack Cades or Mike and Elsa from the Jack Cades today, because um, mainly because they just released a fantastic album, Perfect mm-hmm. View, which is a um, great record. And so uh, welcome, Mike and Elsa. Hello. Hello. Good to, see you. Good to yeah, see you. Good to see you again um, after such a long while without any gigs or events to go to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just Hipsville and Beat Wave have unfortunately had to be cancelled, so it's where I normally bump into you yeah we would have been there
2: at both wouldn't
3: we yeah we would have been there. Uh, such a shame unfortunately there's not much that we can
1: do about it yeah you've been keeping busy during lockdown i noticed um you've been um sort of doing some online um, videos and performances as well and some cover versions with the band um
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've had to uh, come up with some ideas to just keep it going, really. So uh, it's just uh, Mike and me, (laughs) uh, because we live together. So we're quite lucky, actually, that we've got that going. um, So we've done little um, Facebook uh, live uh, streaming events, uh, but we've done sort of 50%, you know, originals and 50% covers, which was great, because it keeps you going. and As close as you
2: can get to to a gig at the moment. Yeah, that's Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, we, um, we've also been asked by uh, Rob Bailey for a New Untouchables to uh, uh, do a little lockdown recording. So we've been able to do that with Alex and Moore uh, at a distance. We've recorded um, The Remains once before. We've recorded The Dovers as well, a cover of The Dovers. And that's um, with the full
2: bands. That's with the full band. Recording so, individually. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, putting it all together. Which has turned out quite well in the end. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun.
1: Keeps us busy. Oh, we've seen the videos, and uh, people can check them out on your Facebook pages. And are they going to be released? You know, any studio versions going to be released online, or is it just for the live live show? We'll
2: we'll no doubt we'll put them we'll put them online on Bandcamp soon enough. Um, Then whether we do anything more than that with them, doing a single or or something like that. yeah, we're not sure yet. have to Have to have a think about it. But there's often, like I was saying, it's it sounds a hell of a lot better than any of us thought it would sound mm-hmm. <laughs> recording individually. So yeah, so it's turned out well.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose it helps having a drummer in mold that uh, has his own studio.
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, that really helped for some of the drums, which is very important because you know if a drummer is trying to record with a shitty microphone, then it wouldn't sound so good. So we're very lucky.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. So what I thought I'd do, we'd, um, before we get onto your own music, let's find out a little bit about, about your own musical journey. So um, tell me about the very first musical memories and the first thing you can remember as a kid um, that sort of turned you onto to music. Mine? Uh,
2: mine would have been, um, as I was a kid, I have a vague recollection of stepping into my parents' kitchen and um, they were playing James Brown. It was either on the radio or they were actually playing it, but Upon hearing that, I just proceeded to dance like a lunatic all over the floor and just, yeah, just really, just absolutely loved it and just went nuts over the sound of it, Um okay. which it still does the very same thing to this day.
3: Yeah, does yeah, so does As Elsa so can rude. vouch for it,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how can you not dance the as around? Well? Yeah, you got no soul. You, can't, you know, move James Brown. So how old would you have been then?
2: Um I would have been maybe seven years old, something like that, I'm <laughs> yeah. something around that age, yeah.
1: So it just had a, a physical effect on you straight away, you just wanted to dance? Just Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, it still does the, the exact same thing now. If we're out and somebody's puts James Brown on, uh, you, you can't control yourself.
1: you also I mean guess you grew up in France were you picking up French music or um what was your Uh, earliest
3: memory uh no (laughs) well yeah we had to but um I wasn't into it And to be honest, to be completely honest with you, especially Mm. 90s pop French music. I don't really know uh, if it's good or not, but, um, you know, my fondest memories were with my brother when I was really, really young and we had, um, we were both uh, massive fans of Nirvana. So we had this fake band and um, I would play drums in it, but obviously I didn't have a drum kit. because my parents didn't want me to play drums. Yeah. and so they, um, they put me in the, on the piano instead. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that was a, a really um, good memory for me, just yeah, messing about to Nirvana or just jumping around to Nirvana with my brother. To and...
1: <laughs> so an early tribute band.
3: Yeah, that's yeah.
1: it. <laughs> so, was there um, a particular Nirvana song that you, you liked?
3: Uh, yeah, so um, I think we're both Nirvana fans, really. We both grew up with Nirvana, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so we both agreed to uh, play All Apologies.
1: That's a great track. You know, should we play that now? Let's um, hear Nirvana and All Apologies. was a great track. That was all apologies and Nirvana. Um, and so you said you were both big Nirvana fans. So um, was it? We are. Yeah. Did you just sort of? I mean, I was there big at the time. Was it just you heard about them on the when on the radio, or had you heard about them before they became famous?
2: Uh, well, for, for me, it would have been when they were famous. I was pretty young when they
1: were. You
2: know, same, there, exactly. <laughs> same. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: it was just hearing them on the music channels and T V yeah. Smells like yeah. tea spirit.
1: Yeah, it's a great track, and you're making me feel very old now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first records that you bought with your own pocket money? I mean, we were saying this um, in our earlier chat, that, um, <laughs> of course, you, you know, this is a great thing about getting some younger people in, that you didn't really buy vinyl, you didn't go out and buy singles, because you were brought up with the CD generation, I suppose, weren't you? So
2: Yeah, it was. It was CDs. So, um, yeah, but... but what happened for me was we had, you know, a CD shop. Well, it was actually called Andy's Records, which was misleading because it was just full of CDs. I don't remember seeing any records in there. Um, that was the shop in my hometown. Um, it's not there anymore. And, yeah, basically after school, we'd all go there and just have a browse through all the CDs. And, you know, if, if one of us has saved up enough pocket money, we'd, we'd buy a CD or sometimes we'd pool all our you know lunch money together and get something um so my first cd i would have bought would have been from there um but i can't recall exactly what it was but i've got a feeling it was either the offspring or cypress hill or possibly rage against the machine yeah. um those the spring to mind really they were quite big when i was growing up and yeah i was really into really into
1: all them And what about you, Elsa? What was the? I mean, were you the same? Were you sort of into CDs and that at the time? Or
3: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, And uh, my parents, even my parents, didn't have a record player at the time. They must have got rid of it. Um, And my parents aren't very musical, so. um, But yeah, it would have been CDs, Um, and I can't really remember what it was. But I think it was a best of Blur. I think Um, or best of beatles you know which both came out the same year i think um but i was i was lucky enough i didn't really have to buy um any cds because my brother would just buy them all and i just had the same taste as him really pretty much so um yeah
1: then what what sort of got you into playing music yourself and and becoming musicians what took you away from sort of being a music fan into uh, picking up a guitar or wanting to sing was there anything that inspired you
2: I mean, I think Nirvana was massive for both of us, I think, yeah um in terms of wanting to play guitar, especially for me that that was one thing you know you see kirk and bain you you want to do you want to do what he's doing yeah. um but yeah I mean for me that 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 had a big influence, but as well, I used to grow up watching watching the music channels all day long um and they'd have you know they'd have all sorts on there but when the Sex Pistols first came on there I think that had a really big influence on me um that really got me into the British punk scene um The Clash as well The Damned mm. that really that really set things on the course especially with that attitude as a teenager you just
1: want to be rebellious
2: don't you <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and how about you also was it um what what inspired you to pick up a Yeah,
3: it it would have definitely been Kurt Cobain. Um, I I think, yeah, I just always felt um, connected to you know uh, the songs and 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 him definitely. And I think I'm very much influenced still by his uh, the way that he writes his lyrics. Mm. Um, You know, quite short phrases, um, musical words. More about it was more about the the way that it sounded rather than the anything else really
1: so um so did you start off as a kid playing guitar or did you want to become a singer what was your you were inspired by Kurt Cobain I know you more as a singer and uh, obviously you're playing guitar and you play bass as well but um,
3: yeah I mean for me I was always a bit of a tomboy and um a bit of a feminist really and I didn't want to be just the singer because I wanted to feel that I could do something else um, so that's why I started playing you know bass and guitar etc um yeah I don't know singing I, I always used to sing as a kid but never really thought I was a very good singer um I think, you know, I, I, when I started bands, the first serious band that I had, I was playing bass in it and just doing backing vocals. But what really gave me confidence to to think that I was quite a good singer was joining the Missing Souls, um, because the guys really made me feel confident and uh, gave me confidence um, to, to know that I could actually sing soul songs and things like that. that were quite complicated to, to sing. So, yeah,
1: well, that's a great uh, that's a great point to sort of pick on the missing souls because as you know we're big fans at retro man blog you know um we've um, played the uh, tracks on the, in the podcast as well and uh pick us pick a track for us um one of your favorites from the missing souls
3: um for me it would be the alligator because it's fun and we're both singing it with ian and he does a bloody amazing guitar solo on that so yeah
1: <laughs> let's hear it yeah let's hear the missing souls and the alligator Great, that was The Missing Souls and that was The Alligator, taken from the sweet, sweet Sadie 7-inch record. So tell us a little bit about The Missing Souls, Elsa.
4: Um, yeah,
3: so we all met in Lyon, France, and I was still living there. Um, I first met Ian, I became very, very good friends with Ian, and uh, I didn't have a band at the time, I was really eager to start another band. Because um, I don't, I've moved from a very small town in south of France. I hadn't been playing music for, for a while. So, and yeah, it was instant, you know, we just got on because we had, you know, very similar you know, music tastes. Um, he loved 60s music. Um, then he introduced me to the drummer of his band uh, called the Caveman Five at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, they were a sort of um, garage. Garage Band as well, very similar to Missing Souls, uh, but with a sax in it. Um, you know, really, really good listen to them, by the way. Um, <laughs> and um, then we were looking for someone to play the organ, and then we, so we meant Ricky, and yeah, and that was it. And then we just started playing uh, loads of covers, just whatever we liked, really, <clears throat> and we gave it a go. And we, to be honest with you, it was just a bit of a fun band to begin with. We didn't really know where it was going to go, but... Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see um, what we've accomplished, really. Yeah. thinking, you know, that it was just for fun.
1: Well, they're great. You know, and regular listeners to the podcast or vlog readers will know we're big fans of the Missing Souls. And, and also Ian, and you mentioned Ian, but that's Ian Kay, who's uh, he's got a great, um, a great solo um, career now, hasn't he? I mean, he's just released some... Yeah,
3: cool. really, really good. He's a really, really talented musician, and um, I really love his, uh, his new stuff.
1: Yeah, and you can hear his solo stuff, Ian K, in a recent episode of Retro Sonic and he even made the cover a few episodes Looking ago. Looking
3: beautiful as usual. Yeah, <laughs> very,
1: cool, very cool feature. Yeah, so, Mike, tell us about your early experiences then in, as a musician. What was your first band?
2: Uh, well, my first band would have been um, a band called The Antisocials, who were <laughs> um, pretty straightforward three chord punk Great. band. You know, yeah with a band name like that but i originally started playing guitar when i was 11 years old after hearing nirvana and you know all those kind of bands um but then we really needed a bass player to start a band because everyone played guitar we had a drummer my best friend played drums nobody played bass it was the uncool thing to do so i immediately put down the guitar and picked up the bass because i the only thing i wanted to do was be in a band i didn't care about just playing guitar on the side I really just wanted a band um so yeah that was my first call was just to pick up a bass and get going with a band so that, that would have been the first proper band that we had um the anti-socials yeah, yeah. which is a bit fun
1: Did you record anything?
2: We did, yeah. Um, I'd have to try and find it. We have a tape somewhere. There's nothing online or anything. There is a tape knocking about. I'll have to try and somehow find it. um, And I'll ask one of the other members if they have it and get it online somehow. Because I would like to hear it again. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it was the Antisocials, and then we changed our name later on and became the Punctuals, <laughs> which uh, the reason for that name was because we were so eager to play gigs. We were always very punctual to the point where we would be two hours early for sound check. We really just wanted to, to go and do it so much, which is probably the opposite of how we are now, because I, I hate soundcheck and waiting around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the time, it's all so new and... We, we were there so early so yeah we changed name to a punchables, Um and that stuff is online um, oh, really? you, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have to send you a link to, to that which is much more kind of almost hardcore punk yeah. I would say it's much more fast stuff um, and that's with the same same guitarist and drummer of the vickers as well so it, it's pretty much the the origins of the, the early. The early Vickers, stuff. Ah. it's hardcore
1: Vickers. So, for Vickers fans, this is the holy grail. Is it? This is something they're going to have to. <laughs>
2: Church. probably not it's probably not something they want to hear <laughs> no, it's something that I wanted to hear
1: <laughs> well you know you never know if you get if you can dig out an mp3 we can play it on the podcast you know I, so. I'll
2: have a look I'll have a look I'm pretty sure there's some stuff about so yeah I'll try and get that over to
1: you and don't tell me it was punctuals p-u-n-k was it
2: no <laughs> no that that would be too much <laughs> you'll be happy to know it's not <laughs> I think the the first vickers thing we did is is pretty straight up punk really it's more than after that, and maybe the second one is much more kind of garage focused, but I think in terms of that for me, um, Billy Childish was a massive influence at, at, at that age for you know when we were doing that kind of stuff, which you can probably hear <laughs> on, on the records. <laughs>
3: And can I just say, he's got a self-made Billy Childish tattoo on his thigh.
2: Thanks for that, yeah. Oh, really? Um,
3: Oh, I had
2: to say it. Oh, that's great. When we were very drunk and far too young to be drinking, and we all decided to do self-made tattoos with nail polish and a needle.
1: (laughs) And for some reason... I've I've got a couple as well. Oh, it, yeah.
2: it, it, it works for some reason yeah but yeah. It might, i mean yeah I, I was i was pretty obsessed with him for a while when i got when i got there and the guitarist and the vickers at the time he was also very much into him <laughs> and, and we were all doing our own little thing carving away our legs Ooh. and arms or whatever yeah not that's... very nice and i look over to him to marcus and <laughs> See, he is scratched in his leg, bottom of his leg. He is scratched, like not, I just had BC, you know, I didn't want to go too far. He scratched childish in massive, massive letters (laughs) in his leg. I look over, his leg's just covered in blood. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? I was quite concerned (laughs) for him at the time. I assume that one's still there on him. I'm not sure. Oh, dear.
1: (laughs) You might turn Think up on one of those programmes, those Tattoo Fixers programmes one day, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you might do.
1: That's a nice little exclusive there, a little bit of uh, gossip, and I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah thanks,
0: Els. There you go.
1: I have to get my <laughs> mate Paul Slattery to tell, or Ian Damage from Damage Goods, to tell Billy. He might He might. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> might do a little drawing. You can get it sort of etched in properly, you know.
0: Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah.
1: <laughs> So tell us. Um, let's pick out um, a, a vicar's track for us, uh, and uh, one of your favourites.
2: Um, I'll pick one off the second album. Um, one I really like is uh, the beat.
1: Vickers and the Beat, and that's from the Psychotic Beat album. That's a, that's a great track. So after the Vickers, um, you went on to form the Baron Four. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the Baron Four because that was another great live band. that You're still doing, aren't you? You're still you're still yeah with... still
2: still playing. We've had um, I mean when we first got together, it was probably only me in the original lineup. I think we've changed a bit since then. But now since we've got Mole on the drums, um, you know Joe in, and we've recently got Kevin guitar. Now the lineup is, you know, definitely how it's supposed to be. I feel it's very We're all best mates, and yeah, yeah, absolutely love playing with those guys. So yeah, it's a great band to be in. We all just, you know, it is what music should be, and we're all just having fun playing mm. playing music that we love. To be honest with you, so yeah, yeah, it's good fun.
1: Well, obviously, you know, again, we've been big fans of the, the Baron of Fall, Retro Man Blog, so you chose a song which I, I had to admit I hadn't, <laughs> I didn't have in my <laughs> catalog. I was a bit, a bit naughty, I missed this, it was, it, it was a great song and I'm glad you told me because I, I, I bought it straight away because I, <laughs> I slipped my mind and, and what have you gone for?
2: Well it's the most recent release that we've done, um, so it's Shut Your Mind and it's on single now.
1: The bound four and shut your mind, and uh, so that's out on seven inch vinyl. Is it now
2: that is, yeah, yeah, that's out now on seven inch vinyl on Danger, on House, Danger House Records was in Lyon,
3: France, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: oh, oh ami Bruno,
2: <laughs> yeah, great, great guy, Bruno, and great label. Um, yeah, definitely check him out, Danger House, great record shop as well. If you're ever in Lyon, yeah, they've got some great stuff in there.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a little great. shock, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's a little shock, but it's just—it's great. Scoffing. And then he's um, really welcoming, you know, non-judgmental, really, really nice guy.
1: So you're talking about the garage thing about um, Billy Childish. Elsa, was, did you start getting into that as well through Missing Souls and those guys?
3: Uh, I didn't get into Billy Childish through those guys. I, I was into Billy Childish um, before that. Um, yeah, I've, I've always uh, really liked Billy Childish. Um, I think, to be honest with you, now when I listen to it, most of it's probably a bit too raw for my liking, but... Um, you know you just change with age don't you but at the time yeah I, I really really loved Billy Childish mm-hmm. um really like the milkshakes uh you know and it it's funny because um when I first met the Masonics or when I first met Mickey and you know it was oh, I was pretty ridiculous because I'm not often in prep like well, at least I don't want to show that I'm really, you know, uh, impressed by anyone. <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, it was when I met them. Uh, it was in Barcelona and with the Masonics when I first met Mickey, um, and I think. I got really, really drunk because I was so shy because I was thinking, you know, oh my God, I'm actually talking to me, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they were a big influence for me as well.
1: That links in nicely to one of your song choices. Um, you, you picked a Masonic track.
3: That was because you asked um, if I'd ever shared a bill with musical heroes. Mm. And uh, But I think, yeah, uh, funnily enough, even though I knew Mickey, and John and Bruce, uh, when I played uh, with the Missing Souls at Garageville weekend in Hamburg, uh, I was sharing the the stage with them, and I just thought, oh my god, you know, I just felt really <laughs> shy, you know. And I thought, I think, no, we sound like shit. Geez, and uh, yeah, they actually really liked it, and they were really nice, and they're lovely people, as you know. Yeah, well, M- M- and Mickey
2: Hampshire should. I think, definitely get, you know, as much credit as Billy does Definitely, I think he should get more credit. His songwriting is just amazing. He was a massive influence on me growing up as well. And, yeah, yeah, I I feel that he's kind of slipped into the background a lot more and Billy's really up there. But Mickey's singing as well, vocally, he's got a beautiful voice. Absolutely. Um, And, yeah, songwriting is just, yeah he's yeah. um, garage king really lovely man as well very
1: humble yeah, yeah it's great and then of course they were mickey and the milkshakes originally weren't they it was pretty much yeah that. yeah it's
0: <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. laughs> interesting because i think as i said we are a slight generation gap between us you know not that much i'd hasten to add but because for me it was getting into the milkshakes when they were around in in the early 80s and mid 80s and that yeah what sort of got me into the sort of garage scene you know where where people, strangely enough, that are still going, like Graham Day, Billy Childish, all those great bands that I saw back in the the Clarendon and the and the Club Foot in Hammersmith and places like that, um, yeah. this, that got me into the sort of garage punk scene, you know, back in, I said, back in the mid-'80s. And, and it's nice to see that you're still being affected by them, uh, you know.
2: Definitely. You know, even yeah. now, I mean, the, the Milkshake's one of my favourite bands, even now. I mean, you know, I would have loved to have seen them back in the day definitely they would have been in my top five one sort of Um, of live band you know
1: unfortunately never got to pick us a masonics track then
2: yeah so um,
3: I've picked my uh, favourite which is When You Cry At Night
1: was the masonics and when you cry at night taken from their empty Shell of a man ep so i mean so you were starstruck then elsa you haven't got a mickey tattoo of you <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> no not yet <laughs> who knows <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i understand that you had some special guests at your wedding party then
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. I was going to say we asked them to play at our wedding party as well at Nambuka in London. That was pretty good. We had the Fanes as well. Wow. Pretty good line, yeah. Yeah, Mike's good friends from South the Hangy Five. That was a oh,
2: good yeah. night. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. saw them at Beatwave. They're they're great. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, lovely, yeah, people. really nice guys as yeah, well.
1: So that's pretty memorable, isn't it? To have the have them playing at your wedding. Um, any sort of really good live events you've been to over the years that have stood out?
2: Um, A recent live gig, um, nothing to do with ours, but the least recent live gig that I really enjoyed was um, last year we went to see Brian Jonestown Massacre and it's actually the first time I've seen them even though I've been a massive fan for a a long time and just never got around seeing them, but they were just absolutely brilliant. Even to this day, they were just fantastic, played all the all the amazing songs, and yeah, it was quite a small venue as well, which just made it so much better. The sound was just mm. spot on. Mm. Um, yeah, seeing them in a small venue was just, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. They sounded so good,
1: yeah. And I, I can sense l- sometimes recently a little bit of a Brian Jonestown massacre influence creeping into your music. Am <laughs> I, I right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it probably does creep in, even if you know, not intending to, yeah, they yeah. are a yeah, massive influence um yeah they're they're one of the bands I, I listen to very regularly and yeah obviously they've got so much material out there um yeah just absolutely brilliant band
1: yeah they're they are a great live band i love them and i've seen them a lot now and they're, they're i don't know they get the people were going to see them expecting a fight and expecting a <laughs> anton to
2: lose <laughs> Expecting yeah. when they
1: get going when they play when he's in the mood they're they're really they're so in, in the zone, aren't they? You know, and they just create this fantastic atmosphere. You know, and yeah, uh,
2: and they don't have the. Um, yeah, I do think people go and expect to see Dig, you know, the documentary live on stage, which <laughs> isn't going to happen. I think they probably don't like that documentary for what they were even though it's the best documentary ever made
1: <laughs> it is isn't it it's, it's, it's um, the it's best so there's so many uh, great lines it's like Spinal Tap yeah <laughs> it
0: really is, is. It I mean, really my favourite
1: one is is when he when he's he's sitting outside the venue and then the director yeah. comes around he's got blood on him and he's and she's saying are you hurt are you hurt where's the blood from and he's saying from faces yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you broke my satire motherfucker yeah <laughs> They're very lucky to have the uh, best tambourine man in the business oh, yeah. for all these years. I mean, he, what, what a dream. Like, it's heavy brilliant. band dreams of having a tambourine player. He was happy to do that. Timing, impeccable. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't moan that he's just doing that. He's just happy to do that. <laughs> that's right. It is.
1: Well, he was absolutely. always this... I mean, Joel was always this sort of beacon of calm whenever all this chaos was going around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, having a fag on the stage, looking at his tambourine. He's he's a genius. He's made the tambourine. (laughs) It's like a fantastic, cool instrument, hasn't he?
2: That's what made them so great when all the fighting's going on. He's there just, you know, just joking around. (laughs) It just lightens everything up, everyone up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously he was in it just, you know, going on tour. Doing drugs, drinking, having a great time. Then you can see that in, in him, <laughs> <laughs> but to still be doing it now,
1: I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a massive fan, as as, as you know, of Brian Jones and um. You picked a good choice of your pick of a Brian Jones song. This is one of my favourites. So, what have you gone for?
2: Um, I've gone for Vacuum Boots, which I believe is off Take It From The Man, which is a great album. <laughs>
3: memorable gig was uh, seeing the Stone Roses uh, and this was quite late really it was in um, 2012 and it was in Lyon and it was in a Roman old Roman um, antique theatre and uh, so it was pretty magical Um, I went on my own because uh, at the time I didn't really know anyone who's that much into the Stone Roses who would pay that Kind of money to go see them because so it was quite expensive to go see them so it's a special experience when you go on your own as well and you love a band that much um, and they were just amazing and um, it was great because uh, when they played this is the one um, Eric Cantona came on stage oh really he was actually <laughs> touring with them so it doesn't
2: get much better than that it was no,
3: just really know. weird really surreal unexpected it was quite quite funny and yeah they, they were really good and like yeah i I absolutely loved Stone Roses
1: so yeah uh, yeah. it's nice to play something a bit different on the podcast Elsa what Stone Roses song have you gone for? Uh, what the world is waiting for Any other great gig experiences? Any other memorable um, gigs you've been to?
3: Um, well, if, if I was going to talk about the first gig that I've been to, uh, that I haven't been forced to go to, that is, um, that I've you know, chosen to go to, was uh, the International Noise Conspiracy. Ah, uh, when um, they played in uh, 2004 in Lyon, um, it was quite a small venue. It was great, and I, I just loved that band. Uh, I, I love them because well, I was a Refused fan before, uh, which was uh, Dennis Lexon's, uh, so sort the of singer, the frontman of the International Noise Conspiracies band before that. Uh, but it was much more <clears throat> heavy yeah. than the International Noise Conspiracy. Um, yeah, and I, I thought they sounded amazing. They looked amazing. I, I you know, I even. Remember that I dressed like them. (laughs) I used to wear like the black jacket, stripy shirt, uh, black tight trousers, converses, white belt. I thought, (laughs) wow, they look so cool. Um, And at the time, I was really into Scandinavian bands. So I really liked, um, obviously, The Hives, uh, Division of Laura Lee as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, so uh, that's it. And I I have picked a track uh, from the International Conspirously. um go for it so it's called smash it up
1: great that's the international noise conspiracy from survival sickness and that's a track smash it up yeah and you'll probably know that retro man blog was really started off because of swedish music that's where i got the name from for my favorite band soundtrack of our lives and uh, <laughs> so it's nice yeah. that you, could, you know and and it was nice cuz i i met dennis recently at the refuse gig in in london and I, and I remember when i put the picture up and you liked it and then that's when i found out you were a big fan and especially when you told yeah. me about you used to dress like international noise conspiracy, so that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll put a picture, send us a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
3: try and find one, actually. I think I do have one where I've pretty, yeah, I've got exactly
1: the same But <laughs> It's interesting when you are talking about in memorable gigs because I think those Swedish bands at the time, which is when I saw soundtrack of our lives, they were so great live. It was hard to put into words. And and Hives and in International Noise Conspiracy, I, I hadn't seen anything like that. You know, for for, mm-hmm. for years going back to like the early days of seeing bands. You know, I don't know if it's because yeah. the music scene in England was maybe a lot of shoegazy stuff. I don't know, or it was all college sorts of type bands. But they were so exciting live, weren't they? International Noise Conspiracy,
3: they were. Yeah, really, really exciting, really
1: good live. Yeah, so many great songs as well. So that's a that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. And Mike, any have you ever shared a stage or bill with any of your musical heroes? Any any great gigs?
2: Well, the one that would spring to mind um, would be when I was in the Vickers, and we actually we got nominated for this award, <laughs> which is very surreal, um, it was the Indie Music Awards, um, and so we got nominated for Best Punk Band um, <laughs> in that category, yeah, and so they had this live events awards ceremony, which is at the Forum, um, town and yeah, we, we kind of suspected that we'd won it because we got asked to play it for a start. Mm. We thought, why would we play it if we don't want it? Um, but we didn't know that the award was going to be presented by Pete Shelley and Steve Diggle the Buzzcocks, who were, wow. you know, my heroes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we won this award, uh, and I spilt my pint all down Pete Shelley's back <laughs> 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 when I got on stage. Um, <laughs> And Then we played a few songs live, which was followed by Full Buzzcock's set, which was absolutely oh. fantastic. Um, and just, yeah, such a great memory for me, because they always say to never meet your heroes, which I agree with to some extent, but Pete Shelley was just the nicest man you could ever meet in your life. Um, after the gig, we were speaking to him for hours, just over a few beers, and He was just so down-to-earth. You wouldn't have ever guessed he'd been in this amazing punk band. He was just the nicest guy, and we were, you know, starstruck teenagers against him. But he was, you know, yeah, just such a great guy.
1: That's lovely. It's nice because, you know, it's sad that he passed away, but he's one of these people that no-one had a bad word to say against, did they, you know?
2: No, Uh, I know. I've I've seen everyone has said exactly the same thing uh, as me. So, obviously, it wasn't just a one-off at that particular night he obviously
1: was a genuine really nice guy that's a nice story so um give us a buzzcock song then um i think we'll have to go for time's up
2: off the Spiles crack EP.
5: Get yourself put and ready.
1: Great. that's Buzz Cox and Times Up from Spiral Scratch. One of the first, one well, the very probably they say it's the first DIY independent record. And and you said earlier about what this per Perfect EP, isn't it? What you
2: probably yeah, the best EP. I think I read somewhere that was it recorded in about half an hour, something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So it uh, <laughs> sums it up with the sound that great. It's just yeah, stunning EP.
1: That's that's a nice nice story. So. So this award what was what was the award that you went for cuz the forum is obviously it's a big venue isn't it so you a- Yeah
2: it was huge venue which, um, yeah it was they had all these different categories you know um you know depending on your genre of music and this was best punk band so it was us and three other punk bands basically which yeah. I mean we knew each of the other ones we'd played with them at one time or another um so yeah very very weird very mm. surreal experience to be honest with you um but yeah no it's, it's great memory
1: so also let's um go back to some of your records um tell us about how i know you're saying you you grew up with cds and probably downloads more than people old gets like me with albums when you know we've got this thing you have to play an album from start to finish and you've got mm-hmm. the cover art and all that so probably different but i not i mean obviously you've you've probably picked up on a lot of musical on the way now and and any great albums I mean, I have this thing where an album should be from the production to the cover art to the sequencing it's very difficult to get it right, isn't it and um yeah. of albums that you would consider a, a a great album
3: yeah so it's it's a tough one um, you know I would have a few i i you know I was kind of hesitating in between pink flag wire uh, Rob the Beatles. But then I thought, hang on. No, the one album that I really, really love from start to finish and the, you know, cover up, everything's amazing is, uh, obviously an Oracle by the zombies.
0: Wow, yeah, Okay.
3: Great so, album. um, yeah, I think it's amazing. And the talent of the zombies is, you know, just astonishing. They, they sound like angels. They, you know, extremely talented musicians. Um, uh The song that I've chosen is Friends of Mine. When we're all in a crowd And you catch your eye And then
5: you both smile I feel so inside And when I'm with her She talks about you The things that you say The things that you do It feels so good to know be people Outside, that's something to see. That's nothing to hide. And when I feel bad, when people disappoint me, that's when I need you to to help me believe. It feels so good to know two people. So, in. Yeah.
1: yeah that was The Zombies and Friends of Mine that's a great choice and how about you Mike any sort of examples of a, of a great album
2: um, well in terms of faultless no fillers um, on the album I'd probably say Rubber Soul by the Beatles stands out yeah. um, just in general the production every single song is a is a hit yeah, um, yeah just one of my all time favourite albums
5: when I call up your lines engaged. I have had enough, so act your age. We have lost the time that was so hard to find, and I will lose.
1: So, pick us a good good single, you know, a great 45 that you love.
2: Um, 7-inch, probably go for the Squires, um, going all the way, um, simply because, well, a I recently bought it, so I'm happy about that. Uh, Both sides are just, both sides are A-sides, in my opinion. They're both as good as each other, they're both just fantastic songs. Um, But we will go for the A-side on this, which is going all the way.
1: choice that was the squires going all the way a, a sort of nuggets classic there Yes, yeah, so i asked you to pick another few tracks um just to get an idea of uh, the musical tastes and and this was an intriguing one because this reminded me of a movie that i haven't seen yet and i keep meaning to watch and this is the uh, searching for sugarman which is a story of rodriguez and um, you picked a track of his so tell me about this elsa why you picked this one
3: yeah um just simply because i've watched the documentary and i was really uh touched by the guy um a lot of people say that he's you know trying too hard to be bob dylan but i don't think so i think he's really got his own thing going on he might have been influenced by bob dylan but um Yeah, I just completely fell in love with the music and the songwriting and his lyrics and the type of person that he was. Um, So that's why I just uh, wanted to play a song by him and um, I picked I'll Slip Away.
4: Forget about the girl that said no Then I'll tell who I want, where to go And I'll forget about your lies and deceit And your attempts to be so discreet Maybe today Symbols of success, then I pursue my own happiness, and you can keep your clocks and routines, then I go mend all my shattered dreams. Maybe today. been down on me for too long and for too long I just put you on now I'm tired of lying and I'm sick of trying cause I'm losing who I really am and I'm not choosing to be like
1: It's a great track, I'll Slip Away by Rodriguez from the Searching for Sugarman soundtrack. And um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to watch that over the weekend, I think. It, uh, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful song, isn't it? You know, it's, it's sort of folky, but yeah. li- nice little Latin undercurrent to it. We love it. Great. And so when I asked you again, talking about to, to sort of um, tell me some of your favourite music, this was a nice little choice as well. This is Spaceman 3, which I know, going back to Brian Joestown Massacre, they're big fans of Spaceman 3. Um, mm-hmm. So Mike, tell us about Spaceman 3.
2: Um, they're just one of my favourite bands, really. I mean, I just love the overall, um, you know, the, the, their early stuff, which is more kind of rockin' and, you know, droney overtones, but then probably one of my favourite albums ever is Perfect Prescription, which is a lot more kind of mellowed out, which is just uh, just beautiful sounds um, and just think that they're just... There's no other band that really sounds like them, even if they're heavily influenced by them. Like even BJM are very influenced by them, but you always know when it's Spaceman 3. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it would, it would make sense to play one, one song by them. So, shows and losing touch with my mind.
1: Well, let's hear it, and this is Spaceman 3, and this is from probably my favourite album title of all time. It's Losing Touch With My Mind from the album Taking Drugs To Make Music To Take Drugs To. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It is the best album name ever, isn't it? (laughs)
0: i yeah.
1: That was a great uh, a great choice there so um i really enjoyed chatting to you both and and sort of getting a getting a little insight into into what makes you tick musically and um of course we can't leave the episode without talking about your current band um, the jack Cades, which you are both in you've just as i said earlier in the very beginning of the episode you've got your second album out now perfect view which is you've, is, it on, is it on two record labels beluga and yeah
3: so it's bickerton records in spain hmm and beluga in sweden
1: oh great okay uh it's it's a great album so Tell us a little bit about the Jack Hayes, because it's a bit of a, a sort of garage Rock supergroup, I guess. Tell us about the members and um, a little bit about the Jack Hayes. Yeah, well, um,
3: I think it started quite naturally because Mike um, and I just thought, oh, well, we might as well try and have a band as well. Of our own. And uh, we started writing songs and then we thought, oh, let's record them. Let's record them with more. And uh, we asked more, would you you know, fancy playing a bit of bongos and all that on it. Um, and then he said, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, But we didn't have a bassist at the time. So um, we asked John Gibbs from the Masonic. So that's why he's on the first uh, mini album. Um, but he never really, he never played live with us. It was just for the mini album. Uh, and then so Alexandra uh, joined us. Um,
2: yeah, we did, we didn't really think too much of the first record. We just wanted to record some songs for a laugh, um, mm. but then we we really enjoyed it. So we thought we'd stick together. And yeah, John wasn't available full time. So yeah, we got Alexandra in um, and we started, you know, really doing our own thing, but we wanted to really make it our own thing and not just have another kind of garage band, which the first record kind of was, Mm. Um, we wanted to do, if we're going to have a proper band, it needs to be something a bit different, so... Oh, so it sounded like, yes, yeah. I guess, something a bit more natural. That's the idea of it, and, yeah, so that's why we went on to do the latest album, Perfect View, which is, yeah, I feel that we've now really got our, our own sound down. I would like to think so.
1: I think, so, from seeing you play live um, quite a few times now, there's been a definite progression, and it's nice to see that, because I suppose a lot, of things, a lot of the garage scene obviously people tend to stick really quite a formulaic sound, you know, you pretty much know what you're going to get from album to album. But I think I really love perfect view is there's a, you can really sense a progression from first album to this one.
3: I think so. I think it is quite different even from the first album. Yeah. yeah. And obviously the, the production, you know, uh, recording with Liam Watson at To Rag,
2: you know, um, that's obviously given us a, a bit of a different sound than... So. I think we've just found the sound that, that we want now, you know, rather than when we first started, you know, putting songs together, we didn't really know what kind of thing we wanted to do. Um, and now from playing together for a while, I, I think we've yeah. kind of found, you yeah. know, what we're good at and you know, you learn what other members can do here and there and I think we found our overall sound and yeah. we, we want to try and do our own thing and not not be put in a box, to yeah.
1: be honest. Yeah, I think it definitely definitely shows, you know. And so you got Mo Lambert from um, Galileo Seven and the M Brooks and et cetera, et cetera. Um yeah. <laughs> I think as you mentioned Alexandra who um, was in Speedball Junior. And she also yep. helps to run Weirdsville and Hipsville, so it's, a, it's got a great band there. You know, great, great characters as well. Yeah, we have fun. We have fun.
2: We, have, fun. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe too much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we miss it. We miss it a lot. Yeah, we really miss uh, seeing them, playing with them, and you know, going abroad on little
2: mm. trips. Soon, soon enough, next year, <laughs> we plan. Yeah, yeah. Quite, quite a few
1: trips. Yeah, well, I mean, I said, you, I mean, even the gigs of the, the progression in the gigs, the way you've Growing in confidence as a band play live as well you know and uh, it's it's been great so hopefully we can uh, get to see you play soon you know but um obviously we've got all your little online performances to look forward to and um, check out your facebook page and have you got a website or is it just the Facebook page?
3: Uh, Bandcamp. So the album is on Bandcamp and we've got everything on Bandcamp, but we don't have a website. No. Just yeah. Facebook and
1: Bandcamp.
2: Facebook and Bandcamp. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, well, I'll put a link, I'll do a feature to this episode with um, a full track listing and a picture of Mike's Billy Childish tattoo and a picture of Elsa when she's dressed up like international noise conspiracy. So. <laughs> We'll get that on the blog, so check out retromanblog.com, and I'll put, so I said, full track listing, and I'll obviously put links to all the relevant bands where you can go and buy all their albums and singles, which is what I had to do when I missed, I found I'd missed <laughs> the Baron Four last single. So get yes. out there and, and support the bands, and um, really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me today, Mike and Elsa. Thank,
3: thank you. you. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, yeah thank you. Cool. <laughs> Good to see
1: you. Yeah, so thanks again. So we'll play out with the Jack Cade and a great track from Perfect View. And um, which one have you gone for?
3: We've gone for Child.
1: Great. Well, thanks again. Um, All the best to you. And uh, this is the Jack Cade and Child.
3: Thank you. Bye. See
6: you. the one, but now I just can't touch the land